Annihilation. Annihilation. One minute at a time. Sometimes I wish I were still out on the back porch drinking jet fuel with the boys, getting louder and louder as the empty cans drop out of our paws like booster rockets falling back to Earth. And we soar up into the summer stars. Summer. The big sky river rushes overhead, bearing asteroids and mist, blind fish in old spacesuits with skeletons inside. On Earth, men celebrate their hairiness. And it is good, a way of letting life out of the box, uncapping the bottle to let the effervescence gush through the narrow, usually constricted neck. And now the crickets plug in their appliances in unison, and then the fireflies flash dots and dashes in the grass, like punctuation for the labyrinthine, untrue tales of sex someone is telling in the dark. Though no one really hears... We gaze into the night as if remembering the bright, unbroken planet we once came from, to which we will never be permitted to return. We are amazed how hurt we are. We would give anything for what we have. Tony Hoagland, Jet. Something is at the fence outside. Lena and Ventress are already up and outside. Shepard has just left the guard tower. Thornson has just stirred. She nudges Raddick beside her. Thornson. Josie, wake up. Wake, wake up, up, Josie. Come on, wake up. Something's happening. Raddick starts to rise and we cut to Ventress and Lena outside, second floor. Lena looks right of camera through her night vision goggles. Possibly NVD, BNVD, Gen 3, ITT Pinnacle Dual Tube binocular system with optional helmet mount. A green glow barely lights her cheek at the edge of the eyepiece. Otherwise, she is harshly lit from her right as she is leaning forward close to the lamp. Dr. Ventress, you see anything? Lena looks more to her left. Ventress is only half visible behind the roof support post. Lena, no. Lena turns to her right and we cut to a wider view. The hut with Ventress and Lena left of center frame. Shepard, casually approaching, rifle in hand, right of center. Time is like a kind of culture medium that is destroyed when it is no longer needed, once the links are severed between the individual personality and the conditions of existence. What is known as the moment of death is also the death of individual time. The life of a human being becomes inaccessible to the feelings of those remaining alive, dead for those around him. In the script, 
the order of events is slightly different. Lena breaks off. Lena continued. Yes. Through the scope, there is something. A large hole in the perimeter fence. The chain link twisted, pulled open. Cut to. Shepard emerges from the rec room hut, into the moonlight, holding her weapon and a flashlight. Shepard. What happened? I heard a noise. Now we see through the night vision device, second nine. The perimeter fence, not that far off, across an overgrown field. Whip right, and we can barely make out what Lena notices. Lena, off screen. Whoa. Dr. Ventress, off screen. What? Immediate reverse through the torn hole in the fence, tracking right. The hut, small and blurry in the distance. Second 14 cut to Ventress and Lena in the hut from their right. Lena, something's come through the fence. Cut to Shepard, second 16, close enough to the hut to be lit by the lamp, but framed alone, the guard tower behind her. She gets Ventress's line from the script. Shepard, through the fence... Time is necessary to man, so that made flesh he may be able to realize himself as a personality. But I am not thinking of linear time, meaning the possibility of getting something done, performing some action. The action is a result, and what I am considering is the cause which makes man incarnate in a moral sense. Back to Ventress and Lena from the right. Ventress has her rifle up now. Lena still holds hers with just one hand, the night vision device in her left hand. Lena, it tripped open like a fucking zipper. Smash cut back to Ventress and Lena from the front as Lena takes a breath, sets down the binoculars, and raises her rifle. In the script, Shepard, but what could do that? Lena, I don't know, something big? In the film, we cut to a wider shot, Ventress and Lena in the hut, taking up the left half of the frame, Shepard at the right, and between them in the distance, Thornson and Raddick approaching, no more than silhouettes in the moonlight. History is still not time, nor is evolution. They are both consequences. Time is a state, the flame in which there lives the salamander of the human soul. Another noise, and this is organic. It's a thump of movement, then a panting breath, a snort, and it feels very close. In the script, the three women freeze, a beat. Then Shepard lifts her flashlight, points it straight in front of her, and illuminates a huge creature, less than two meters away. In the film, we are on Ventress and Lena, second 25, angled from near the lamp. Dr. Ventress, I can't see anything. Lena, yeah, neither can I. Time and memory merge into each other. They are like the two sides of a metal. It is obvious enough that without time, memory cannot exist either. But memory is something so complex that no list of all its attributes could define the totality of the impressions through which it affects us. Memory is a spiritual concept. For instance, if somebody tells us of his impressions of childhood, we can say with certainty that we shall have enough material in our hands to form a complete picture of that person. Bereft of memory, a person becomes the prisoner of an illusory existence. 
Falling out of time, he is unable to seize his own link with the outside world. In other words, he is doomed to madness. Lena swings her rifle toward camera and we cut second 28 to Shepard and... We will get a better sense of the bear later in Villepardieu. So instead, the description from the script. It looks something like a black bear, but like the gator, it's twice the size it should be. And it's stranger than the gator. It seems to be enmeshed with plant matter. Stems and leaves are growing out of its fur. Its fur hangs like the Spanish moss on the swamp oak branches. Long thorns push outwards, bristling over the crown of its skull, along its snout, down its arms. And it's up on its hind legs, standing like a man, towering over Shepard and Lena, blotting out the stars. Then it opens its jaws, and it looks as if some of the plant matter is actually growing from inside the bear's mouth. It is a terrifying and transfixing sight. Shepard, shit. The next moment, with shocking speed, the bear lunges downwards. At Shepard. In the film, here, the bear enters the light of the lamp briefly, and we can tell there is something wrong with this creature. Sparse fur, exposed skull. In fact, on a freeze frame, that human bit of skull on the left side of its face is already there, taken from the soldier Peyton from the previous expedition, perhaps, though we will only learn what happened to him in the script much later. As a moral being, man is endowed with memory which sows in him a sense of dissatisfaction. It makes us vulnerable, subject to pain. The script says, there is a glimpse of her being pulled to the side and almost compressed, like a glimpse of someone being hit by a car. Then the flashlight winks out, and Shepard is gone, sucked into a rush of movement and blackness. Lena, who has hardly had time to draw breath, now reacts. In the film, the bear latches its massive jaws down on Shepard's right shoulder, lifts her off her feet, and then brings her down to the ground. And we cut back to Ventress and Lena from the right. Lena. Shepard! No answer. Lena turns and exits the hut. We cut to Angle from the front of the hut again. Lena leaving out the back. Ventress steps forward, rifle down, and grabs the wall of the hut. Lena. Off screen. Shepard! Second 33. New angle diagonal across front of hut, taking up left half of frame. A gap between two of the grass-covered bunkers in the distance at right of frame. Lena. Fuck. Lena turns and comes back to the hut, grabs her night vision device as Thornson and Raddick arrive. Thornson, what's going on? Thornson raises a flashlight. Lena raises the binoculars to her eyes. Lena. Shepard was just next to me and something took her. We see through the binoculars, something massive in the darkness moving back towards the fence. A glimpse of Shepard dragged like a rag doll. Then angle on Thornson, Lena, and Raddick. Bunched together at left of frame, the guard tower behind them in the dark. Thornton's flashlight beam is so close to Lena's head as to look briefly like it is coming from Lena's head. When scholars and critics study time as it appears in literature, music, or painting, they speak of the methods of recording it. Studying Joyce or Proust, for instance, they will examine the aesthetic mechanics of existence in the retrospect of the worlds. 
the way the individual who does the recollecting actually records his experience. They will study the forms used in art to fix time, whereas I am interested here in the inner moral qualities, essentially inherent in time itself. Lena lowers the binoculars. Lena, oh fuck. Lena, oh fuck. She runs out of frame to the left toward the fence. Lena, off screen. Shepard! Thornton and Erratic follow. Braddock. The time in which a person lives gives him the opportunity of knowing himself as a moral being, engaged in the search for truth. Yet this gift is at once delectable and bitter, and life is no more than the period allotted to him, and in which he may indeed must fashion his spirit in accordance with his own understanding of the aim of human existence. The rigid frame into which it is thrust, however, makes our responsibility to ourselves and others all the more starkly obvious. The human conscience is dependent upon time for its existence. Angle from behind the three of them, running for the fence. Shepard screams in the distance. They reach the break in the fence and we reverse, on the three of them, through the rip in the fence. The script says the forest beyond is immeasurably massive and dark, and the screams are from deep inside. Time is said to be irreversible. And this is true enough in the sense that you can't bring back the past, as they say. But what exactly is this past? Is it what has passed? And what does past mean for a person when for each of us the past is the bearer of all that is constant in the reality of the present, of each current moment? In a certain sense, the past is far more real, or at any rate, more stable, more resilient than the present. The present slips and vanishes like sand between the fingers, acquiring material weight only in its recollection. King Solomon's ring bore the inscription, All will pass. By contrast, I want to draw attention to how time and its moral implication is in fact turned back. Andre Tarkovsky, Sculpting in Time Thornton and Raddick stop. Only Lena goes through the opening, but then she stops as well. Shepard's shrieking continues. Then... Abruptly stops. Beat. You lived what anybody gets. You got a lifetime. No more, no less. You got a lifetime. Lena calls out. Shepard. Beat. Shepard. And time runs out for this minute. We spoke. What was it we said? Wordlessly watching, he waits by the window and wonders at the empty place inside. Annihilation. 